let me say that the political if you like, the political big This is the News Made of Students podcast. It's myself, Lex, here with my boy AC. You're not middle class, you're not black white. Enjoy one podcast at a time, discussing all things. Statistically, it looks like in London yeah. right now, yeah. this is predominantly a problem of young black teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, yo, yo. What are you saying, love boy? You know what it is, man. The news is the news be moving, man. How you doing, bro? All good, man. We give facts. The news, the news don't stop. Um, we, we, we keep going, bro. We keep going. Facts. We've got news from uh, home and abroad. Um, where should we start with abroad? Yeah, we could start from away. All right, let's 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 take a let's take a flat. Let's take a flat. So we're we're, we're so we're starting in uh, Minneapolis, uh, America. I don't know what state Minneapolis is. Minneapolis a state or a town? I don't mm-hmm. know. But Minneapolis, which is the bed the the hotbed of what sparked one of the biggest global protests we've seen in probably our generation, bro. You know, so we're, we're we're coming to where where obviously if our listeners aren't following is from from where the murder of George Floyd took place by Officer Derek Chauvin, where he knelt on his neck for eight minutes and forty something seconds um, as he was becoming lifeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, after a year, and is it been a year? It's been a, it's been a year. Probably has been less than a year now, I think. But after, after, after a few months, um, a couple after months, uh, Derek Chauvin is now facing a trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and bro, like you know, I've, 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 I'm, I'm in and out of it. I'm not. I'll be lying if I said I'm like fully immersed and and plugged into the case. Um, you know, I like to listen, I like to read around the social commentary about it. So, like, you know, just even pe- bagging people up, trying to call it the George Floyd case. Like, this is nothing yeah. to do with George Floyd. Floyd, in, in, in that respect, this is the Derek Chauvin case. This this is a case about a man who murdered another man, not just a man, a police officer who murdered a man on the streets of Minneapolis. In broad daylight. Apparently a $20 forged note. Mm-hmm. In broad daylight, and not, broad only daylight. That, not only that, there were also ex colleagues. Yeah, yeah, and that still blows my mind when I when I look into that. Like, yeah, there were also ex colleagues. You know, and it is honestly, it's um, it's very interesting how how this is unraveling and how it um, you know, will continue to unravel. Just looking at the the commentary surrounding it. It's very, it's very like, you know, I feel like they're, they're trying to use this particular case to almost report a bit more objectively. Yeah. I think from what I've seen, I think I've, I've, I've seen this, this case has been taken on quite a kind of like a, a more direct, more true version of journalism. If anything, on the kind of information that's been uncovered by like external journalists just looking to you know go out of their way to to find out their own facts, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, which which um 
obviously it's better that it is like that, you know, but it is, it just makes me, you know, and it, it's kind of like, on, it's kind of interesting because it's like, because of, due to all of the, you know, the, the skewered news, mm-hmm. when I see more authentic news, I'm, I'm even more sceptical. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I'm even more sceptical. And then, you know, just coming from just the people that have been, that I've, I've actually only seen one part of the, the, um, the case on camp, like footage from the case, and that was of the paramedic essentially be the one of the paramedics that was uh, first arrived being questioned on mm-hmm. whether or not, um, you know, the police officer was then was, was, should have been responsible for giving that CPR and giving yeah. that kind of first response aid and questioning whether or not the officer is qualified or not. And the paramedic pretty much saying, well, you know, he's an officer, so <laughs> all officers yeah. are to be qualified as part of being an officer. You're even mm-hmm. asking a question to then really check if the actual state itself is incompetent and complicit within the mm-hmm. case. Pretty much, you know, the person being interviewed is actually using, you know, their awareness as opposed to any form of bias to prevent the argument. The reason why I say that because his response isn't necessarily emotive. Saying, yeah. and this using emotion to justify what should have been done. It's more using using facts, legislation, and policy, mm-hmm. and what um, to you know present what would have been the how 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 this is, <laughs> how, what has happened, what has taken place. If they want to use more, um, if they want to use more kind of like bureaucratic terms, I believe that this that person at that time was using, you know terms that was accessible to all to understand without being encrypted, you know what I mean? Without trying to say, well, this could have happened or, you know, a who knows kind of situation is direct. Every officer should be trained in first aid. So this is not a question about whether or not they had the, it was best for that person to wait for me or to take their action directly first, you know? Yeah. So what, what have you thought so far from what you've seen from the case? Well, I've seen, you know what? Everything I've seen so far is, this is, let me just, sorry. Sometimes when I think about these things, yeah, I think about it in a broader context. So the way I'm looking at this case, yeah, it kind of reminds me, not that they're similar in like what happened, but in terms of like the social commentary and the, and the um, awareness it has and the ramifications it has for America. So it reminds me of like the OJ case. Yeah. Where, and have you watched, you have you watched The People versus OJ? I haven't, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's amazing. You should definitely watch it. I can't remember who made it, but um, it has um, uh, John Travolta in it and, uh, and David Schwimmer and uh, Courtney B. Vance and that is, is sick. But anyway, and uh, what's my man called it? Cuba Gooding Jr. He plays OJ. Anyway. Yeah. What that case taught me, so obviously we were like, we would, we would, I think we were like two or something when that case happened. Mm-hmm. But watching it back here, the case, the, the, the fascinating thing about that thing wasn't about the case, like the case was obviously horrific, whatever, but it was more to do with the social commentary and how basically black America were rooting for OJ because, as far as they're concerned, because basically two, three, or three years ago, I think um, Rodney King uh, got murdered by the police, so yeah. LA was still quite hot and angry about that because the police got off 
So this was like redemption almost for the African-American community. But this now, I feel like, has a similar context in the sense that if Derek Chauvin doesn't get convicted heavily, and if you give him like a one-year probation from work or something, which I think this is not going to be, I think this is because it's a criminal trial, I think, he has to get like, you know, a criminal uh, sentence, uh, a custodial sentence. If if he's not sentenced what people think is adequate, don't be surprised to see other protests in the next couple of months or a couple of weeks. Whenever this trial ends. That's what I'm looking at as them. And, you know, from from everything I've seen so far, I've seen um, it's it's, it's a bit interesting how it works in America. They're getting like character witnesses for George Floyd, who's passed away. So like his ex, uh, an ex-friend or something like that, a female friend, has come in to give like, you know, a character witness of George Floyd talking about, you know, his addiction problems in the past and, you know, about how like he overcame them and all this kind of stuff. Then they have um, uh, one of Minneapolis's uh, longest serving police officers uh, going against Derek Chauvin, saying that uh, what he done was against policy. So, yeah. you know, and then, uh, Derek Chauvin's attorney, bloody hell, he's asking some ridiculous questions. Like, you know, he's really trying to make this, like, he's trying to to um, demonise almost George Floyd to the jury and to obviously everyone else. But like this isn't a case about George. George Floyd, George Floyd has, has, has received his sentence. He's dead now. You know he got murdered in front of, for, for the whole world to see. So this should be more about did your client follow procedure? Did what your was was what your client done? Was that it was 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 that sufficient for the attack in 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 inverted commas that he felt he was having on his body and stuff. Yeah, and that's what that's what I find more interesting. So I'm just yeah, I'm 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 fascinated to see how this all plays out and how America will basically deal with it. Not just America, the whole world really. Oh world, yeah. Oh yeah, we turn up here, you know. So everywhere, bro. It's crazy. It's crazy because you know it's interesting as well that you mentioned how you know reminding you of the um, what what's his name? Sorry, um, OJ. The OJ case, yeah. Um, and I can definitely see similarities there. How, um, and that is mainly because the whole world is watching, if that makes sense. So yeah. OJ, in a sense, was a pu- is a public figure through, you know, his sports accolades and just his own personal notoriety. And people were just aware of just this whole case, just on a global scale. That's where yeah. all the eyes on America, all the eyes are on... It, again, in this kind of way, how are they going to deal with it? Of course, you know, there is that kind. Of, there was that kind of feeling as though, you know, the black community are behind OJ, you know, yeah. just in terms of just um, that, that recent history that had happened there. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there is also a similarity in the George Floyd case in the fact that, yeah, the whole world is looking at it. And the thing where it differs is that this is not, you know, some celebrity, um, like, case. It's not been brought to our attention because the persons involved are necessarily, were necessarily, like, famous before, like, pre-death, you know. Yeah. This is, like, um, you know, like a, a post-mortem, like, infamacy of this case because of just how horrific it is and the access of technology to have so many people being able to capture 
this in live action, do you know? Yeah. In live action, like you're saying, it just got access to millions of people while it was happening, while he's dying, you know? Yeah. And um, it's the whole world pretty much got to see this horrific crime, this horrific, you know, malpractice, excessive police force, common police brutality, which we always normally experience when people experience it is more on a smaller kind of like scope in terms of people not everyone can see lots of people that have been handled by the police would would have reported having felt these excessive experiences and this this kind of like mad brutality of the police and then even from you know the way that the the um defense is kind of presenting this case and trying to you know portray George Floyd as, um, you know, just a bad character person, just a bad person, almost in a way trying to justify, trying to say he's deserving of that kind of like treatment. You could see that that narrative, it's something that the defense is used to doing. They don't have another course of questioning to go on. Whereas why this also makes it different from, you know, the OJ case in terms of the reason why everyone is so, you know, invested and so rooted behind it because everyone has seen what has happened together this has no longer been an isolated event with the police being um you know able to hide in the crowd hide in the protest being able to hide in the chaos being able to hide in the crazy crime that's been going on the violent crime that has led to someone being killed the kind of violent suspicion you know the whole encounter Everyone saw the whole reality of, of, of how gentle Joy was, the lack of resistance, the kind of, the, the, you know, the just unnecessary force that was used here in this case. The whole world has experienced that. People were watching it almost like a Truman, you know, like the Truman yeah. show, you know, yeah. shouting behind their screens, crying yeah. while this is happening, that shared grief, you know, kids, that have the access to their phones that have seen this happening. Yeah. It's undeniable, yeah. you know, in this case. There's people fighting to get there to stop this guy from murdering yeah. Floyd in public. And then he's, then he's he, the police officer's partners are preventing them that as well. Yeah. You know? So this is all being seen. People are being taken through this whole experience directly. So in a way, there's been so much light shone on this situation that the dark arts that would have usually been used, and I'm referring to dark arts as manipulation, you know, asking misleading questions, kind of insinuation, you know, the defense being more of a seducer than someone who is necessarily bringing to light whether or not injustice was done you know is being exposed here the defense attorney cannot just simply use their charm seduction and their intelligent line of questioning that would naturally code a jury into you know just thinking bad thoughts while while they're judging this person you know and they're trying to make this like you said a case about george floyd when his sentence unfortunately has been served and it's been served by someone who does not have that legislative power to do that or should have just, just never have done that. You know, I, I for one, I'm just not a fan of anyone murdering anyone for no reason. 
Oh, not even for no reason, like ever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I think yeah. you know, human should never kill human, you know, like that. And it's just like, it, it, they're trying to paint a picture of George Floyd, who it has nothing to do with what this guy has done in all reality. This guy has made his choice, and now that's what has to be judged. Whereas the defense attorney knows there's no point of talking about what he's done, because if they talk about what he's done, then it's the case is closed. <laughs> Facts. You know what I mean? Facts. Facts. That's that's literally the case. That is literally the case, bro. And just I want to clarify something as well. So earlier I said that uh, we watched that infamous video and uh, we said that George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin, knelt on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Wow. However, there's been key developments in that case and there's actually been, it's actually... That's, that, that number is actually not correct. And Chauvin actually knelt on George Floyd's neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. Nine minutes and 29 seconds? Almost 10 minutes, bro. Wow. Wow. Like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's... yeah. When you go into the details of it, you could see why the defense is trying to stay clear of questioning along those yeah. lines and uh, bring in, you know, these, like, bringing other things up to try and cause some sort of distraction and disarray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, go- it's going to be interesting to keep continue to watch what's going on, what's happening here. No, definitely, definitely. But then moving over back, back home, more nonsense, more nonsense in a bungle happening here as well, bro. Yeah. More nonsense than a bungle. Um, oh gosh, where do I even start? Where do where do I start? I got hold on, uh, bruv. Obviously, the the, the <laughs> when I read the headline, yeah. Again, obviously, we know we live in a clickbaity society. Headlines, all that kind of stuff, whatever, whatever. But the headline said a race report or report has has uh, found that the UK is a model, a model for anti-racism. Yeah. And that institutional racism does not exist in the UK. Yeah, those are the headlines. Wow. Obviously, that came out the day before April Fool's, but obviously, they clearly, they, they got a head start on April Fool's, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Because... Like, bro, when I read that, I was thinking, nah, you know what? I want to know what their findings were. And I haven't read the whole report. I've seen snippets and intercepts of the report. I am planning to read the whole report. I just haven't had the time to, I haven't had the time yet. It's hard to want to read that bullshit. But that's the you thing. When you, you know, when you, it's, like, it's like watching a show, knowing you knowing what the end is going to be. Like, it's like oh, okay, you've, you kind of like ruined the suspense. I would have loved to read it from the beginning, not knowing what they're going to conclude on, and then read that as their conclusion. And then I probably would have been baffled. <laughs> baffled. Like, you know, and they've got, they've got a, a prominent anti... anti I can't remember how to Anti-race, no, racism deniers. Yeah. Black racism deniers, black and brown racism deniers to, yeah. to actually conduct this report. One in particular that I'm quite familiar with is Tony Swell, who yeah. 
I actually, I actually learned about this guy back in uh, uh, in college, in uh, sociology, and he is considered. He was well. He was introduced to me as a black sociologist, and his one of his big uh, things were he's like you know the reason why you know there's a uh, crime in the black uh, in uh, with crime in regards to young black men is because of fatherlessness in the household, mm-hmm. and then one of his suggestions was um, creating schools for just black boys, like schools just for black boys at boarding schools or whatever, et cetera, et cetera, that will teach them this and that and that, whatever. And if I'll be honest, back then I thought, okay, I can I, I see what the angle is. You know, yeah. you're getting like some of the most vulnerable young black men in the country and you're taking them to an environment where they can thrive, you know, and they don't feel pressure and all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, people are investing in them. Cool. But um, later on the line, down the line, as I got older and read more of his work, this guy, bro, he is... Oh my gosh! Like I don't, I don't know what his angle is, bro. I don't know what his angle is at all. Like he, he believes he believes England's a beacon of of you know anti-racist uh, uh, institutions of rhetoric, but that really frustrates me because he's a black man that obviously has succeeded, I guess, in his respective field. It's almost like he's made it to where he is, and looking down, like oh, if I could do it, everyone else could do it. Yeah. But we know this is the this is like one of the biggest fallacies of living in Britain, where you we see successful black and brown people every day. Of course we do, but that's not that's not they didn't make it because this country is not racist, you know. And it's not me like trying to fighting to say England's racist. Oh, England's racist. Just accept. that's not. Like, I don't really care in it, but to say that institutional racism doesn't exist. Is a bold lie, bro. A bold yeah. lie. Bold. Like, what were your thoughts on it? Um, bro, honestly, do you know when I was um like reading up on the just the highlight bullet points and the kind of like most contra- controversial aspects of it, and then just like looking at the kind of like mainstream commentary on, of it. I was just kind of thinking like, obviously what the intention has been achieved here. <laughs> I just feel like most of what is going on now, yeah, is trying to reverse conversation. It's trying to reverse things that have been already as, um, established and they're trying to reverse it by trying to open it up and again, mo- monolithic. Like, like no, I, w- I would say monolithic, and why? Because they're trying to discard it as being um, one of the influencing, just one of many of the influencing factors behind, behind something. And they're trying to put it back underneath and another, trying to umbrella it again and say, well, if we're going to deal with race, we have to actually deal with these things, not race, because race, doesn't play any part apparently all of a sudden it's um kind of like the the whole race factor has been stripped away like slavery has disappeared slavery has not happened they're like they're talking about you know this hasn't this basically doesn't matter no more because it's not in our it's not today so because it's not happening in front of ours today the effects of it haven't happened ever are no longer with us today. Mm-hmm. And obviously, no, <laughs> no tree can grow without a root. 
You know what I'm trying to say? You can't just have a tree going with just um, fucking just branches and um, bark out of nowhere without having no root to the earth. You know what I mean? So it's impossible to cut away from there. There, There's also suggestions from, you know, that report and committee that how how a race should be tackled is that there should be a curriculum on the positives of people being enslaved, of how there was positivity in it because they developed their own culture from being oh. a, saying that people managed to survive a slavery and still and 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 look here, people managed to survive slavery and still managed to come up with some cool things. Yeah. But if they can do it, what's stopping you? Kind of mentality. You know, trying to start the opening for drama, that idea. And that is just like, obviously, without the obvious, it's just blatant, right? Disrespectful and a whole disregard. And just, and just, a dis- yeah, it's just, it's just, it's quite cruel when you think about it, making people have to kind of, they kind of like programming people to start considering things from a, just a delusional perspective, a perspective of, of someone that just is totally disconnected from the reality of, you know, millions if not billions of people, yeah. you know, what I'm trying to say that have been affected by the by the triangular slave trade, the British triangular slave trade. You know what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. um, it, it, the report itself is very cruel. It's very strategic by the Conservative Party <laughs> in the way that they drafted the people to actually um, do the report. And, then, yeah. and, you know, a lot of these people that have done the report already have put through kind of um, ideas that racism doesn't exist. Like you said, that, that they were, they're already the people that are the, you know, the deniers, race, racial deniers, and yeah. people that have already tried to deny race, race, the effects of racism on mm-hmm. the how people's lives turn out mm-hmm. and for what reasons they do it having the fact that they are black or brown mm-hmm. as well like you know is all personal to them and then and doesn't matter you're always gonna find someone that's different from what the group is known for and why is that that's because the group is never ever going to match with any specific individual other than the leading figure that represents that group. And there's a group is always defined pretty much based on one person, you know, which therefore, when you think about it, is it's no longer categorically the group. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. they're using flawed... Model minorities. Exactly, you know, yeah. just to kind of distract everyone and everyone will fight this group that doesn't exist there's not really such thing as a group of anything but they mm-hmm. are like characteristics that are targeted and identified to attack and part of mm-hmm. that are racial characteristics they say mm-hmm. because you know people have already determined because of what you look like we're gonna enslave you <laughs> yeah I mean That's... and that happened that can't now not have happened. So yeah. for the report to make those suggestions for the headlines to pick it up, it's um it's definitely 
people just trying to they're, they're even angered racists that know they're doing their job you know just, yeah. those racists that know they've been on job they've been doing what they've set out to do they've they're organizing they're now thinking shit we gotta ramp up our racism yeah facts never get around these race bro i will keep it 100 with you yeah there's been more racism now experienced because of the, these kind of these kind of things that have happened. Now, more people that are, you know, that are actually, that actually identify with being racist are coming to surface and yeah. are saying, yes, I am a racist. Like, some of them are saying, a lot of them are saying, yeah, I'm a racist. This is what I think of you. Blah, blah, blah. Carrying on with the hate, but now more yeah. likely to express it. A lot of people, and unfortunately, some people that I know personally, have now experienced direct racism through intimidation, through physical and verbal violence, you know, for a combination of all three. And, yeah. and, you know, it's just like, obviously this report would then make those people again, feel alienated, ignored, and likely again, to feel like they, there needs to be some sort of retaliation that isn't necessarily going to be for the best. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm also grateful that it is, it is, it has been done like this. Why? Mm-hmm. Because in this internet age, yeah, it can't, it, it's hard for them to get away with this. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for them to get away with this. It's hard for them to say that, yeah, this is okay. And it's hard, it's going to be hard for the conservatives to distance themselves from this because this is something that they've done. This is something that Boris Johnson has agreed with. This is something that they've published. This is something now that, you know, they will be known for. Again, mm-hmm. you know, to compile onto the Windrush scandal, to compile onto Grenfell, is, is just getting worse and worse. And, mm-hmm. and, and the nation has been given a chance to another... <laughs> Another addition to the portfolio of shame. Bro, a hundred percent. And you know, it will be remiss of us to not mention things that are happening today which are also blatant um also what am I called? Uh, uh, uh blatant uh uh things which can be linked to institutional racism. And I know I speak for both of us when we say we hope that um, Richard Okorogihi is found safely and taken back to his mother. And for those who don't know, Richard uh, has been missing since the 22nd of March. He's a young uh, 19-year-old student from West London, um, of Nigerian descent, I believe. Um, And he's been missing since 22nd of March. And the reason why this case is, uh, or this situation, people go missing regularly in this country. But the reason why this is so uh, pertinent and my people have uh, have really been speaking up and there's been a wave of social media um, uh, campaigns and stuff is because Richard's mum came on TV and she said that when she asked the Metropolitan, Metropolitan Police to help find her child, they turned around to her and said, if you don't know where your child is, what makes you think we're going to know? Wow.